tell your friends the Mark and Max show is back and better than ever. LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Max show. <laughs> and I have no idea what day it is because <laughs> you know what, Mark? I When I was uh, taking the weekend off. Yeah. I kept calling it a vacation, but you know, basically I just went away for the weekend. Yeah. It wasn't a vacation. No. I got home and Monday I'm looking at myself going, I, I thought I was on vacation. Right. What, what the heck? <laughs> uh, all right. So yeah. Happy weekend to me and I'm mm-hmm. back at work this week. So yep. I'm seriously thinking that we, you and I, we, you know, Mark, we might need to plan a little escape weekend for the two of us. Just the two of us. Get away and, you know, have peace I'll, of mind then. I'll bring the walker. What are you bringing? <laughs> I got the stroller. <laughs> LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac show. And, uh. Mark, I love it when you put things together on here that, like, National Hot Dog Day, okay? Right, that, yeah. It's just kind of crazy, because I know every day has 37,000 things on it, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. There's a, a website called National Today, and uh, oh, okay. and you can you can go over and look at that. And some days some days are gold mines, and, right. and some days are, eh, not so much, <laughs> you know? But today is National Hot Dog Day. Guess what's for lunch today? It's Space uh-huh. Exploration Day. It's National Fortune Cookie Day. Now, if I can find a hot dog guy that also has fortune cookies <laughs> and likes NASA, it's going to be a it's going to be a great day. And last yeah. but not least, it's National Moon Day. When Neil Armstrong stepped down onto the moon's cratered surface with the words "That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind," every nation on Earth seemed to breathe a collective sigh of relief. National Moon Day celebrates not only the historic lunar landing on July 20th, 1969, but today also reminds us uh, of the uphill slog to get the space program literally off the ground. Just think about all the things they went through to get to that point, you know? Right. On National Moon Day, we remember both the quirky and profound moments in the space race that ended with the Americans being the first to plant their flag on the moon. So, wow. happy Moon Day. I didn't know that's what I, I know the day we walked on. I just didn't think of it. You know, I hate yeah. that. There were a couple of days that do that to me, that and D day, mm, you know, those yeah. are a couple. And then, because those are huge, huge days of the 1900s, you know? They are, yeah. And, and I, I just wow. uh, setting foot on the moon and millions of people don't think it happened. Wow. And to hear it referred to as the 1900s sounds like something from history class, you know, yep. <laughs> Mark, it is something oh, from history. No. Class. Life radio.fm the mark and max show you know mark yes. when you were talking about you know moon day a little bit ago yeah and uh it, it's amazing to me and i mean this it truly is amazing when i think about our nation in a space race mm-hmm. with our you know our, our our rival russia and we were you know people don't understand if they're born later the real battle between freedom democracy and the communism of the USSR at the time. And it was a big battle. It was a cold war, meaning a non-firing war. We had, I had actually tell somebody that the other day, well, what was the cold war? It was like fought in 
Alaska? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, really? And you have a degree from where? But, you know, anyway. You always spot the ones educated by the left. You can. Oh, goodness. Yeah. It's all of them. But anyway. Yeah. So, bottom line. Um, when you look at that time and you realize what was done, what was accomplished. Yeah. And you realize that the average age for an engineer working on the moon landing in 1969 was like 23. Mm -hmm. That was the average age, not the youngest guy there. Right. Not the youngest guy in the room, the average age, meaning there were some younger. Okay. Mm -hmm. But they had the ability, they had the the skill. Yeah. And I think about how people now, you know, we know what happened. We know the battle that was going on around the world. And we know there are people today that do not believe it. Right. Uh, that there was an episode of big bang theory, you know, that, Mm. uh, where Leonard and Sheldon and Raj and Howard uh, bounce a laser off one of the reflectors placed on the moon by uh, Armstrong and uh, and Aldrin, <laughs> yeah. and yeah, it was the. <laughs> the You're not going to blow the moon up, are you? <laughs> yeah, no, he said it to stun. But anyway, and they pointed out that that was the only real way of proving. You know mm-hmm. that there's the laser. Here's the core. Here, I mean, here's the thing we put there. Here's the coordinates. You right. can hit it. You can mm-hmm. see this. Anyway. The long story short is there are people who, because they weren't alive and it's historical, they believe that it was never accomplished, that we never put a man on the moon, that it's right. a big conspiracy. Yeah. And here's what you have to believe, that the, at the height of the Cold War, when the Russians were trying to prove that communism was better that, you know, than democracy, that communism was the way to truly excel, the battle to get to the moon and put a flag on the moon first was a battle that was mm. being watched by every leadership, every country of the world. And if I'm not mistaken, there were 31 countries that had the ability to scientifically track um, when we shot a rocket into Earth orbit, uh, when we shot rockets and that took a capsule and orbited the moon and things like that. They were being followed by 30 something, you know, other nations that had an outside interest in making sure we didn't lie. Mm hmm. And you think for a minute, here's what you have to believe. If you believe the moon landing was fake, it wasn't just us. Now, I believe that we could fake something like that, you know, and just the people at the top lie, you know, look at the, look at the Oswald, the the Warren commission, look at the Warren commission. And that, that was, you know, six years before this. And yeah, they can claim anything and just shut you down by calling you a nut job. But you're talking about everybody of the world, all the leadership of the world. You can tell me that the height of the cold war, July 20th, 1969, when Neil Armstrong takes that one step out, uh, you know, a, a giant leap for mankind that the Russians aren't going to say they're filming it on the back lot in Burbank. Right. You know, they're not there. They're lying to you. Democracy doesn't work. They're right. lying. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, when you think about it from that angle, it's like, oh, yeah, they would have, you know, yeah. in a heartbeat. Yeah. So anyway. I just remember that, uh, that we we talked about this. The It was uh, not the right stuff, the movie, but it was the, the same story that was the miniseries, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Now I can't remember the name of it. And uh, we both have, we both watched it. And I remember one part in that movie, in that miniseries, where they talked about the difference between the United States and the Russians in the space race. Right. And, and one of the things they said was, we will never know how many people died as a result of their efforts. Right. Because right. they wouldn't tell the truth about anything that they did. Right. That everybody in America knows of the difficult, those, the difficulties, the danger, the people who, who right. died in our space race, because it was mm-hmm. all very public. Well, and you know, you know, like, for example, what we know is that Yuri Gagarin was the first 
cosmonaut the Russians uh, put into Earth orbit. Okay, mm-hmm. first Russian into space, first man into space, Yuri Gagarin. But you mentioned what we don't know is got to realize they put him up and in low Earth orbit, and he orbited seven times, I believe, yeah. before he came down. And we, when we got Alan Shepard up, what thirty days later or whatever it was. We didn't did not even orbit. We did a what's called suborbital. It right, was twelve yeah. minutes, like a cannonball shot, straight up in the air and straight back down. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. And the thing is, hey, he's in space, first American in space. We did it. Yep. And yet, you know, but compared to where the Russians were, good, the Soviet Union is orbiting a guy. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't know how many rockets exploded and mm-hmm. how many times you know they did something. How many, how many that astronauts they didn't report. died? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because you know ours was broadcast live yeah. on around the world not just in the u.s but around the world alan shepherd sitting on a bomb yes. that could have exploded in his wife and the kids but his, you know well, there he is a bomb designed yeah. by the lowest bidder by the way there you go Ooh, <laughs> million six yeah. all right anyway well let's we could go on for there days the bottom yeah. line yeah. though is today is a day to truly reflect on national moon day and celebrate what can happen when people do get together and do something remarkable and special And can put their, you know, politics aside and move forward with one giant leap for mankind. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And, you know, Mark, we've gone far too long without having a Guinness Book of World Records story. Oh, you're right. I mean, we've done almost an entire hour of this show without (laughs) doing it yet. Now, I want to know. Who has fallen down in their duty indeed? Is it you or is it me? I don't know. I'm, oh, the, I'm the guy with the buttons. Me. Wait a minute. Yes, <laughs> but I'm the one that calls it out. It's, it was me. It was me. What is that? It's a, it's a major award. Shucks, I wouldn't have known that. It's like a lamb. A man with an impressive memory broke a Guinness World Record in Florida by memorizing the order of a deck of cards. And he did it underwater. And he sorted a second deck out into the same order as the one he'd memorized. Recall Master Nelson Dallas memorized the order of the shuffled deck of playing cards while underwater in Miami and then emerged from the water and reorganized a second deck of cards into that same order. He finished with a time, oh, excuse me, a time of two minutes and 22.53 seconds. That half second's really important. It earning him the Guinness World Records title for fastest time to arrange a deck of playing cards memorized underwater. Dude. <laughs> I, I've told you, they will they will create a category wow. for anything. See, now, I, I know this guy is an excellent driver. We need to take him to Vegas, okay? <laughs> liferadio.fm the mark and mac show beautiful day in the neighborhood maybe Mm-mm. july 20th yeah Man. i know it's like i'm gonna go and watch that moon landing again i'm yeah. gonna do something like that today i am yeah. i'm really hung up on that because there are really people that do not believe we landed on the moon I know, and yeah. that uh, that's kind of got me diverted for a moment just because i'm thinking about that and i can talk myself into it you know I can also talk myself into believing that Neil Armstrong, um, on a side band that was on, uh, audio that was only heard by certain people that knew of this secret bat channel to the uh, uh, to Houston, and that he saw a big, big thing out there on the moon, and that uh, we were warned off. 
there is a true belief that the reason uh, our Apollo missions were shortened in terms of the numbers planned because uh, we went up there, we collected a few hmm. rocks and came back and didn't go very far from the lander and all that. Um, now, the reality of being able to, to actually carry a go-kart to the moon that's battery-powered and actually <laughs> use it, you know, yeah. none yeah. of that matters, Mark, the, the common sense there. Yes. But the reality of we only, you know, we did not continue on. We ended up with the space shuttle. So we right. put a man on the moon. We can't even do that again right now if we had right. to. Yeah. And, you know, there's some, some real worry about what did we actually see on the moon that made us really alter the game plan and change. Hmm. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the rumor monger. So you have those who don't believe we ever went there and you have those who believe that we went there and there was such an advanced race of alien beings yeah. that we were told not to come back. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the earth is flat and professional wrestling is real. So we never walked on the moon. <laughs> all the same dead. dead. <laughs> you ain't going crazy. It's all in your head. Yes. <laughs> liferadio.fm the mark and mac show and you know yesterday was an election day uh, across this nation a lot of people a lot of uh, state races and things like that had uh, primaries and what have you yeah uh, so it was a pretty big day and a lot of changes but when i saw that you've got this story about a 14 year old entry in i voted sticker design contest mm -hmm. going viral i thought yeah. Well, this is pretty cool that a 14-year-old a is expressing talent and interest in something that a lot of 24-year-olds uh, don't. You know? <laughs> That's true, yeah. A New York County's online contest to pick a new I Voted sticker is uh, receiving some added attention after an unusual entry from a 14-year-old there went viral. Um, yep. The Ulster County Board of Elections said more than 168,000 votes have been cast in this year's online contest to pick a new sticker compared to only about 500 votes total in last year's inaugural contest itself. Wow. Yikes. The vast majority of the votes thus far have been for a local student Hudson Rowan's design. It features a multicolored red-eyed human head on top of spider legs next to the phrase, <laughs> I voted. Okay. I think he's he's probably pro-legalization. Uh, Rowan's design had more than 157,500 votes as of last Monday afternoon. The next most popular in the six options had about 6,300 votes. Voting wow. lasts through the end of the month. If, you, if you're a New Yorker and you want to vote, get in there and do it. Rowan said he was surprised by how the voting has gone so far. Quote, I didn't think I was going to get as much attention as I did. I thought since mine was very different from the others, I didn't think mine was going to get a lot of attention because of that. But I was wrong. It was exactly the opposite. John Quigley, he's the Republican commissioner for the Ulster County Board of Elections, said Rowan's design struck a nerve with voters. Quote, somebody tweeted, this is how voters feel about politics right now. <laughs> and I thought it was almost like the best way to summarize it. It sort of is exactly how we all feel about politics right now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yikes, man. Yeah. Have you seen the picture? Yeah, I have. Now. It's weird looking. It's very it strange. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, this just sounds like a place where I was in charge at one time, you know? <laughs> liferadio.fm mark and max show and you know 
Mark, we had that story a few minutes ago about the I Voted sticker. And yeah. It, I just wanted to throw something out there. There were a number of elections, uh, primary elections and what have you, yesterday. One was in Maryland where uh, the headline says that Donald Trump was the winner. Okay, Trump <laughs> and the Democrats, all big winners in Maryland's uh, gu- Republican gubernatorial primary. And you wonder, wait a minute, how can the Democrats consider themselves winners in a Republican primary? This is where big money from outside your state yeah. plays an important factor in races. We had that happen here big yeah. time. Uh, but anyway, I, I point out Maryland is an interesting place. Very blue state. Um, the governor is a Republican right now. And he uh, they have term limits in Maryland. So he is term limited out. Doesn't matter if everybody wants him. He's gone. Right. So they had to do the primary to replace him. Well, anyway, the my brother... Um, has lived in Maryland. He doesn't anymore, but he lived in Maryland for what? 30 years, I think maybe mm. longer. And during his time there, um, he was a uh, chief of police, a small town chief of police. Uh, he was the mayor of his town. Yeah. He became a very active, uh, advocate for things he believed in. Mike is a very conservative Christian man. And, uh, anyway, at one point he was asked by those in around him, Hey, Run for the state office, and you know where in the uh, in a lot of states you have uh, a house and senate similar to the national government in Washington D.C. Uh, at the state level. Uh, in Alabama, we have one. You know, we have the house and senate in mm-hmm. Alabama. Yeah. And anyway, um, in Maryland, they have a house of delegates, not representatives. But that's the same thing as our house, our representatives, their delegates. So my brother ran as uh, for the uh, seat and won, yeah. and he was a Maryland uh, delegate for uh, a term thing was, is Maryland is so blue, so Democrat that here is this law and order guy. Oh, by the way, um, a bivocational pastor, you know, Hmm. um, who has done well in public service and he wins this state delegate position. The Democrats couldn't stand it that Mike was doing that. Do you know what they did other than trying to really dim? I mean, Boy, talk about a smear campaign on my brother. It was really mm. hurtful because I know who he is. You know, yeah. I, I'm going to be honest. You know, I know Mike. And uh, what they were saying was just bad. But anyway, yeah. um, Mike was actually, um, to get him out of office, they redrew the district uh, lines yeah. and drew, drew it so that his house was about 200 feet short of where it needed to be for him to remain in his delegate seat. Wow. They they actually drew the line. They, and like I said, we're talking a couple hundred feet here, dude. They gerrymandered him out. Yes. Yep. Yep. Wow. And so, you know, when you see those things happen and you realize that there are some people that that's their entire life. Yep. And it, it, it's just shocking to me. Mm-hmm. It really is. Because there is a life out here to be lived. There truly is. Yeah. It's a really amazing thing if you open your eyes and, you know, stop and smell the roses and look at your family and, you know, the richest person on their deathbed doesn't say, I wish I'd spent more time at work. And I think we're going to have a lot of people that are going to hit their later years and go, why did I waste all that time? I could have been doing something productive, like weeding my garden. That would have been more <laughs> than this, you know? <laughs> LifeRadio.fm, Mark and Mac show. <laughs> I got I just happened to glance over at my phone. I don't get on this thing during the show. And I I happened to touch it. It popped up on my Fox News. Mm. And there's a picture, and it says, Musk C, S-E-A. And it's a picture of Elon Musk, um, where he is a picture of him uh, on on a yacht in Greece. 
Mm-hmm. And um, it says Elon spotted aboard yacht in Greece while $44 billion Twitter legal battle looms. And Mark, I, I see Elon Musk, and I know he's a very wealthy, very smart man. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, he's got it going on, dates some of the most beautiful women in the world kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at him, and there's one shot that compare, that has him and another guy in the frame. And I look at Elon Musk, and I'm like, out of shape, and looks like the <laughs> underbelly of a whale. You know? <laughs> holy free holies. Yeah. That proves... Now, let's get a picture of whoever is his current girlfriend, uh. because... That right there does not get a date with a 30 something right there. I'm telling you, you know, that guy is that guy is living proof that everybody one day will work for a nerd because he is the Uber nerd and he is fabulously wealthy because of it. And I love it because Mm -hmm. seeing that just, you know, it's like now I know what you are. We're just negotiating. You know, that's, that's who he is. He's that guy and good for him. But I will tell you at the beach uh, over the weekend and, um, you know, because a lot of times if it's outdoor activity, it's Hannah and I with Braylon and because of how we are together. I mean, this is my daughter and my grandson. Well, you know, how people look at you, they just kind of take a glance and don't think generational. They think, well, that's an old guy with a young woman, you right, know, and they yeah. got a kid. Yeah. And anyway, I, and I, it's cute. You know, I just think it's probably really embarrassing for Hannah, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but there was a point this uh, past weekend and I said something to her about it. She goes, yeah, you'd be amazed. You'd be amazed at what so people funny. say to me when you walk away. That's and uh, I was like, but today I'm finding, I'm, today I'm finding a t-shirt for Tana, for Hannah that says the old guy is my dad. Right. <laughs> I know that <laughs> that would be right. Oh my. But what's bad is there was a point while we were walking to the beach and, uh, and I, I looked at her and I said, you know, Hannah, I wondered when I was going to get to that point where I don't care what I look like. And I said, you know what? I, I hit it. I'm there. I, I'm, I don't, I'm there now. And I apologize because I yeah. know I must look horrible. And the reason we see all these, uh, teens and twenties and pe- young people taking photos, posing for pictures mm-hmm. at the beach. And yeah. they're worried about what's in the background and how they can do this and how, and I'm like, what in the world? Really? Uh-huh. That, and Hannah goes, dad, that's what, that's all they care about mm-hmm. is what photo they can put that's online. Right. And I'm like, this really, I've got to get Braylon and we got to figure out ways to destroy these things. We got to do, we've got to start photo bombing. You know, we got to do this. But I know (laughs) that when I say that to Braylon, he's going to go find, you know, some trash, put it in a baggie, light it on fire and throw it. I know that (laughs) he's my grandson. I know how he's thinking, you know, Mark and Mac mornings only on life radio.fm. Life Radio FM. It's the Mark and Mag Show, and uh, July twentieth. I want to throw this out there again because if you hadn't mentioned this earlier, Mark, I would have missed out, and I would have thought about it tomorrow sometime. You know, mm. and that is today is the anniversary of the moon landing. Yeah, July twentieth, nineteen sixty nine. One small step. Yep. Yeah, and you know it, that one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. You know, it was supposed to be one small step for a man. <laughs> I've heard that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, but it was a big leap, apparently, you know, yeah. just down the stairs. But, you know, whenever I look into the, the moonshot stuff, which is still just so fascinating to me because of the fact that, you know, from powered flight to man on the moon was 65 years, mm. you know? Yeah. And it, or roughly. 
And if you actually go and, and uh, look at the Wright Brothers Museum they have at uh, Kitty Hawk slash Kill Devil Hill, North Carolina, mm-hmm. it's really amazing um, when you see how they did it. Um, because, you know, they they actually got the, this area because of the winds and things like that. You know, right, the yeah. Wright Brothers were like from Ohio. Yeah. They were bicycle guys, bike yeah. mechanics. Yeah. <laughs> you know, think about that. Yeah. Make your living adjusting spokes on a bike. You yeah. Know? <laughs> well, at the time. Like, <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, I think it was one of the Wright brothers who had like a really horrible baseball card of, you know, so they put that in the spokes to make it sound like something really cool, you know, and that was one of their inventions, but okay. It's pushed to the back because of that dag blasted airplane, but you know, <laughs> anyway. anyway, anyway, if you ever get, if you ever had a chance to go to that museum, it, you should, mm-hmm. uh, you will enjoy it first of all. But again, I think about these guys and what they were attempting to do and they weren't living in a vacuum. It was a worldwide kind of a contest to see who could do it first because, mm. you know, as the technology was growing, it's not like they were the only two people thinking about it. The federal government had actually, uh, you know, given money uh, to one of the scientists with the Smithsonian, uh, and, and he was given a bundle of money to yeah. create an airplane and, the, and, and didn't. You know, all that money was gone. Right. And anyway, that's why the Wright brothers got a photographer from uh, the – Virginia news or whatever that paper was out of uh, Virginia beach, Virginia. Um, they actually had him come down for this couple of days where they believed they were going to be doing the, the experiments to right. get the thing up. And they knew if they didn't have a picture, nobody was believing them. They knew right. that. Yeah. Yeah. And which is why they did it. And, and you know, it, it was a big deal worldwide and that's why you had that photo and that's, mm. you know, so go yeah. look, if you have a chance, um, you're going to, I was tripped out because it never occurred to me that, you know, how do you get a plane? Okay. To roll on sand hmm. so that it could get fast enough to gain, you know, momentum to fly. Yeah. And, and actually it's because they weren't actually rolling on sand. They actually had to build a rail, right? Like a, a monorail kind of thing yeah. to, you know, get the airplane and, you know, help it. Yeah. So I love, anyway. I love flight museums. There's a great one. Um, there's a Naval air museum in Pensacola. Uh, and I highly recommend if you're, if you're going to the beach, make a side trip yeah. and, and for a day and just go to the Naval air museum because the place is, I'll just say this, any place <clears throat> that hangs four blue angels jets from the ceiling in one of the, uh, in one of the areas and you can walk on a, on a, like a balcony all the way around them mm-hmm. at eye level and look at every angle oh. of them. That's a cool place. That's a very yeah. cool place. And they also have it they have it divided up into um into eras like World War II and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So you can go through a, a go through a time period and these are the planes and the and they'll have vehicles like service trucks and things like that as well. And it's it's wow. a very well thought out museum. So huh. I I, Didn't whole, know. I wholeheartedly recommend it. If you if you're going to the coast, make uh-huh. a side trip to Pensacola and take in the Naval Air Museum. They even have an IMAX theater there. So Wow, really? Yeah, and they show some pretty interesting stuff. But well, I will tell you this, yeah. and as long as we're going down that path, if you um along the coast at uh, the Gulf Shores Orange mm-hmm. Beach area, go to Fort Morgan. And uh because it was used during the Civil War. Yeah. Um at, to, as a blockade for Mobile Bay to keep, you know, yeah. Uh, anyway. Very interesting. Lots stuff. of stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's more to do than just absolutely going to the beach and playing in the sand. Although I'm gonna be honest, I mean, I think I if my parents had taken us to the beach for vacation and made us go to a museum, <laughs> I think I'd have been kind of mad. Just just saying. Yeah, you know. 
But I mean, but now I'm looking at it going, I want to make a special trip, like to go just to do the history history trip, go like plan a day, go to Fort Morgan, then cruise on down the coast to the museum Mm -hmm. in Pensacola. There's bound to be a bunch of other really cool stuff to see. Yeah. There is. You you know what? You you could do that at off peak times and probably do it real affordably, you know, during Mm -hmm. the winter time. Oh yeah. So. Yeah, I think it's worth it. And I don't know about the, about, you know. I'd be lucky. I'd get there and it'd be like Wally World, you know, closed (laughs) down. Life Radio. FM. Mark and Mac Show. You know, Mark, as long as we're going to talk about weird stuff today. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sorry. So what else is new? (laughs) Yeah. You know, one thing I always wanted to do for my kids, I thought it would be fun to do like a uh, Christmas in July kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like I, it was when they were younger and I thought, how cool would it be that if I was able to make plans to like have on July 25th, um, have the kids wake up and there'd be a Christmas tree all set up in the living room with wow. presents underneath, you know, just yeah. as fun. And it was, it was something I always wanted to do, but never did when they were younger. Yeah. And the reasons were... I, you know, you try to think about these things later in life and you go, why, well, why didn't I? It's because we had four kids, you know, had so many kids is like, no, I mean, <laughs> too expensive. We just got yeah. back from vacation. You know, yeah. there's all the, there's a laundry list of reasons oh, yeah. why not. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's not like you can tell your kids, okay, now take your toys outside and play because they'll melt. Right. You know, you yes, just can't do exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that Christmas in July always sounds like a good deal uh-huh. or a good idea to me. But uh, yeah, probably not something uh, that, that is wise. I would guess I don't. Dad, my truck melted. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, son. <laughs> yeah. And I would always get that. I wanted to go for him. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Sheldon. Sheldon saying, what 12 year old boy wants a motorized bike for Christmas? Um, all of them them, yeah really oh didn't know that (laughs) life radio.fm the mark and mac show and you know mark we have stories that um you know oftentimes they're related to finding something in a thrift store Mm -hmm. that uh ends up becoming much more valuable than what they paid for right now buy something there and all of a sudden you find out that it really was from the ming era you know anyway right yeah, yeah. um an x-ray uncovers secret artwork mm-hmm. hidden for yeah. more than a century yeah a previously unknown self-portrait of vincent van gogh complete with pre-severed ear so he did it before he cut his own ear off has been <laughs> discovered the experts say the artwork shows a bearded uh, a bearded uh, sitter in a brimmed hat with a neckerchief loosely tied at the throat, his left ear, which he famously cut off in 1888, is clearly visible. Believed to have been hidden from view for more than a century, the sketch was unearthed after an x-ray was taken of another of his works, called The Head of a Peasant Woman, which he did in 1885, and it was found on the back of the canvas, hidden by layers of cardboard. Van Gogh was known for reusing canvas to save money by turning it around and working on the opposite side. The extraordinary find by the National Galleries of Scotland is believed to be the first for a UK institution. It it is thought to be from his early work and his first exploration of self-portraits, which he later became known for. Mm-hmm. I think we've all yeah. seen the portraits of him, you know, his self-portrait yeah. in the hat and the scarf, but yeah. not with not with a left ear. <laughs> <Huh>. Wow. <laughs> 
Hmm. What was that movie? Was it my right foot or my left foot? <laughs> I think it was my left foot. Yes. Yeah. My left ear, <laughs> my right eye, <laughs> my pinky toe, my well, fat thumb. Well, he got, he got halfway to giving an eye and an ear for something. There you go. Mm -hmm. I'd give my eye teeth for that. Really? <laughs> liferadio.fm the mark and mag show and you know mark i appreciate doing the show with you because i do uh -huh. learn stuff every day i every day later on i will actually and go and look up something like the van gogh picture or whatever right, yeah. you know hmm. and it just i and i know that going into it each now i know each and every day and then there are days when we get done with the show and i'm like was I here? Was that all out loud? You know, and it, why am I around. becoming Cliff Clavin? That's what I, I want. I am. <laughs> I need to start taking notes. Okay. Was this out loud? Cause if it was, I'm really embarrassed. You know, I should never have done that. It's like, you know, Sheldon and, and Cliff mixed together. That's what uh, it is. Yeah. Right. That's it. Titanium bellied man. You yeah. know, the minute I saw that, my first thought was I'm ready to pose, you know, I'm ready for my close up, <laughs> Mr. DeMille. <laughs> well, there's a guy, there's a man, not just any ordinary man, a man who says he has a titanium belly. He's gone viral on TikTok after experimenting with how far he can stretch the shelf life of foods, including mm -hmm. eating a fried egg 73 days past its best before date, best before date, when another uh, uh, the same age had turned green. 44-year-old Gavin Wren from Forest Gate, East London is on a mission to make households think twice before chucking out staple foods from their fridges that could last far longer than they expect. He experiments, his experiments, that is, which have amassed more than 4 million views on the social media platform. Look at what appears when he eats certain foods out of date, or what happens, I should say, when he eats certain right. foods out of date, many of which are against government safety advice. <laughs> and his day job, Gavin, who is in a relationship with an artist named Uli Op. Um, advises organizations on how food production can become more sustainable. He's not an expert on food safety, and he's admitted some of his 54,000 followers on TikTok are worried about him, saying, I get a lot of messages from people asking me if I'm still alive if I don't <laughs> post for a day. <laughs> wow. Just wow. So what do you do for a hobby? I eat old food. Yeah. I and videotape it and post it online for for 54,000 people to watch green eggs and ham was not a menu. Okay. <laughs> Life radio dot FM. It's the Mark and Mac show. And you know, if you'll check out the main website, life radio dot FM, you know, you can do the daily Bible reading with us, the other things on there. And you know, it's, uh, it's funny because we don't mention it that often. Uh, because of the app, which if right, you're a regular yeah. listener, you're probably listening on the app. I would yeah. I would encourage you to because, you know, when you remember when we um, did that, when you actually uh, had the app done and you were like, you got to try it out. I was always listening, you know, online, which is mm -hmm. fine. Yeah. And, you know, on the website. And uh, I thought, how much better, you know, can it be with the app, if at all? Yeah. And <laughs> it was like, oh, now I get it. Yeah. You know, it was just. I holy was, moly i was just as surprised as you were i just like yeah wow <laughs> well you know what it reminded me of the first time um i actually had uh hd radio you know the way it was originally intended and uh, yeah. hd radio is not an actual real thing it's just the only way they could make it understandable to the mass public 
but the improvement in quality, I thought, well, you, you got to FM, you know, right, and you yeah. got CD quality. I mean, yeah. really and truly friends, how much better, you know, <laughs> can it be? I mean, it's, and I heard it, the comparison side by side, here's the FM signal. Here's the CD signal. Here's the uh, HD radio. You're like, you've got to be kidding me. Right. There's yeah. that big of a difference. It's huge. Come on. It really is big. It was like, then you go from the HD thing back to the FM that you thought was just fine before. Mm -hmm. And it's like listening to AM with static, you know, <laughs> it almost is. Yeah. And a little mono earbud with yellow earwax all over that thing from the sixties. Yes. Yes. And that just blows me away what yeah. we have, you know, but you know, think about this. Scientists developed this technology and they call HD television, for example. Mm -hmm. And if you look at how this should appear, um, it would be truly amazing yeah. what you could have right there in the, you know, in the comfort of your own home. But rather than allow us to see HD TV, the Brainiac said, well, instead of having one really awesome channel, <laughs> we can create several, Yeah, you know, yeah. and they'll all be average, you know, but we can have several and that's money opportunity for us. And then what they found out is, well, if you want people to spend money on these extra sub channels, you, you know, you've got to have advertising to back it up. You got to have people willing to watch it and you need programming. All right. that costs money. Yep. Every bit of that costs money. And the only source of revenue is the salesperson that can get this person to buy it. And by the way, how are you going to get them to buy that when you can barely get them to buy your main channel? You know, <laughs> It's like, how are you going to get it to buy them when nobody knows it's there too? That's exactly. Thing. Yeah. And couldn't find it if they did. I That's remember the right, first yeah. time going to the beach and having one of those things. I'm like, what are all these sub channels for right. 13, one, two, three? Yeah. What is that? You know? Yeah. Uh huh. Oh, good grief. It's like YouTube is on television, you know, because oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the stuff that's on those, uh, alternative channels. Yeah. I, it's just amazing what's on those alternate channels. Yeah. It's just like, it is. Wow. You know, Mark, <laughs> very quickly, I know we're running long, but yeah. Hannah and I were talking about YouTube and things like that the other day. And yeah. uh, I actually told her, I said, you know, Hannah, there used to be um, and I, a, a channel that played music videos, wall to wall, just music videos. And she was like, really? I said, yeah, that's what MTV was. That's right. It was actually yeah. called music television. Yep. And, you know, they have all this other programming, but it used to be music because she was like wouldn't that be cool to just have a channel that just rolled through the hottest coolest videos right now yeah i'm like yeah that's you know we did have that <laughs> uh -huh. but this is what it became listen there were people that skipped school that day you know the yeah, people who skipped school to watch the debut the debut of mtv i know someone wow. did yeah really <laughs> yes how funny because you know my agent my very first agent got me a vj gig mm. um and it was, I was actually very briefly, uh, there was this radio DJ in New York. He worked at WABC. I think it was cousin Brucey Morrow, but cousin yeah. Brucey was really famous in New York city, uh, back in the early sixties. And as he got older, he invested uh, wisely in some TV stations and, um, being a music oriented guy, he actually decided he was going to put on this, his TV channel, music videos, Yeah, a broadcast, not a cable channel, but an actual broadcast television channel. And Anyway, so I actually was hired. My agent got me the gig to be a VJ and I was trying to figure out what do you mean? You know, how do, what do I do? And, you know, I would go in on a Saturday into a uh, regular studio that they could rent at a TV station. Yeah. And I sat there and changed wardrobe. It did a week's worth of shows, you know, in one sitting yeah, yeah. and then they would do it. Well, anyway, 
that was before MTV. Before the network, there were some local television stations that were running music videos. Hmm. And I was a part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, first, first song on MTV. Radio killed the, uh, or wait a minute. Video, Video killed. killed the radio star by the buggles. That's right. First VJ. Ah! First VJ. Um, first one you saw. Uh, I'm thinking it was that guy from Birmingham, yep. but I don't know. Alan Hunter. Was it? Yeah. Alan oh, Hunter wow. Alan Hunter. And, and that was a mistake. His tape rolled in accidentally before somebody else did. So, oh, how funny. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. You can look over, uh, look it up at biography.com. It's there. Hmm. Liferadio.fm, Mark and Max show. And, you know, a couple of minutes ago, we were just kind of rambling on, but ended up talking about Alan Hunter. Uh, and <laughs> Wandered MTV. off into it, yeah. <laughs> but I did not know that, that that was a mistake, that Alan Hunter, you know, was was the first jock i didn't know yeah. he was the Let's first see, one uh, cool. from that from that Just, article when mtv first yeah. hit the airwaves the first face that viewers saw was alan hunters but that wasn't exactly wow. the plan there was a tape mishap and the original segment didn't quite sync up so there hunter was welcoming the world to the concept of music wow. television wow hmm. yeah that's the, cool yeah uh he was there for the network's first six years on the front lines wow yeah and now you have to throw this out there What? Michael Nesmith from the Monkees yes. and Elephant Parts yes. recognized as a uh, an Academy Award winning short film or whatever it was, but he was his Cal uh, not Cal Arts but Pacific Arts uh, company right um, credited with d- helping the development of uh, music video. Yep. Um, Mike Nesmith from the Monkees. Yep. And he had after the Monkees disintegrated and his uh, first national band or whatever it was, the country rock band didn't make it, and um, he was really fascinated by tech, the, what was available in video and things like that at the time in the, you know, the early and mid seventies. Yeah, yeah. And his mom, he was losing money. That was the thing. He had actually signed a deal with PBS and it was a good deal for PBS and it should have been a good deal for him, but it wasn't. It just ended up, the project was too expensive and mm. he was drowning in debt. Yeah. And, and, and his mom passed away. And when she died, she left him, you know, with her fortune, which she made because, well, she was the inventor of uh, whiteout, huh. you know, yeah, the, yeah. you know, the yeah. stuff liquid, liquid secretaries. Paper. Yeah. Yeah. Liquid paper. She, Mike Nesmith's mom was the one that did that. She created it. So her actually her invention is what saved Michael Nesmith's company and allowed him to do elephant parts and wow. help develop. Yeah. Isn't that crazy how things work out? When I think of elephant parts, I think of that one thing, and I know I've played it for you at some point in the past, but not not since sometime we've been, in the past. Sometime in the past, yeah, but not during not during the last year or so. But it was the 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 sketch was uh, Irish language lab, where the guy sits down in the booth to learn how to speak Irish. Oh, Irish language lab session one. <laughs> it's a funny bit. You should look it up. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. All right, I'm on it. No, I it is that just, I don't remember that. I'm, you know? I'm racking my brain. It sounds funny. Are you language lab? <laughs> Repeat after me when you hear the beep that sounds like this. Beep. <laughs> Liferadio.fm, the Mark and Mag show. And, you know, Mark, 
here's the headline, okay? Drivers retrieve man's prosthetic leg from Michigan Lake. Now, right, yeah. when, when <laughs> I saw that, my first thought was two very quick stories. One, I have a friend who has a prosthetic leg. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happened. He had a motorcycle uh, accident and lost part of his leg. So I saw him go through the whole thing, going from, you know, oh, wheelchair yeah. to crutches yeah. to the... And I didn't know, and I mean this, I'm not trying to be funny. I really didn't know that there were differences in prosthetic limbs. Mm. I know that you have some of those things you see on TV, the bionic type arms and leg stuff, you know, you, but you know that I'm not getting that, you no, know, I'm, no. I'm not that guy. No. And so you, you look at it and you think there, how many options are there? You know, we, we haven't really grown that much since, you know, the pirate days and the peg leg. Mm. And so when you, I just, again, did not know. And I learned a lot just by watching. But every time I think about that, I think about, for some reason, Bill Beck, Jr. Beck is in wreck. You know, he was the Major League Baseball guy uh, known for his uh, exploits as a promoter. And he, it was Bill Beck. He, you know, he had a prosthetic leg. And he said, I'm not handicapped. I'm crippled. Mm. And he was very, and he explained that in his book uh, of why, you know, he feels that way. And it was very nice. I, I spent a lot of time with that book because I'm, I'm fascinated by how people overcome obstacles in their life and something that you and I might see as a real negative, you know, and how, how do you deal with it? I don't know. And anyway, so I, whenever I think of Bill Vec, I think of Eddie Geidel, just showing you how my brain works. Okay? okay. All right. And you're going, all right, Dave, we started off with a prosthetic leg and like in a Michigan Lake. And now you're talking about a guy named Eddie Geidel. What? Where? How was, did he lose his prosthetic leg in the ocean? I mean, what, how does that name know? Eddie Goddell was a midget. Oh yeah. That Bill Vex sent up to the plate with the Cleveland Browns in a real major league baseball game. You've got with a be plastic bat. No, it really happened for real. And the fact that I remember that guy's name. So I think prosthetic, I see prosthetic leg and that's what I think of Mark. Wow. Okay. Yes. Eddie Guidel, the midget that came to bat in 19, what, 51 or something like that. I'm not kidding. Yeah. All right. That's how jacked up my brain is. Who else would think like that? I just want you to know I'm aware. <laughs> oh, good. You know, acknowledging the problem is the first step. You know that. Yeah. My name is Dave. You know, so. Anyway, the original story. <laughs> Brandon Smith and his family can breathe a sigh of relief now that he has his leg back, his $80,000 leg. Last you would w- think for $80,000, that leg would, could pogo stick yeah. his way back home on Walk his own. Walk its way home, yes. Last weekend, Mr. Smith and his son Stone Christopher and his father-in-law Tim McIntosh decided to spend a lazy Sunday floating on the Sunrise Lake in Milford Township, Michigan. About an hour northwest of Detroit, the three were having a good time until Stone Christopher unexpectedly jumped into the lake, which somehow caused Smith's prosthetic leg to become dislodged. It then fell into the water and quickly sank. McIntosh said he tried, but he just couldn't get it. With their daughter's family facing daunting physical and financial challenges because of the lost leg, Smith's in-laws contacted the county sheriff's office to see if folks there could help. It was the right call. The family met with the Oakland County Marine Patrol Unit, a team of 13 divers led by Sergeant Brian Burwell, who claim on their website to be prepared for ready response to the 450-plus lakes in their county. 
and ready to dive in virtually any weather or water condition. Using GPS coordinates, the family was able to approximate the location where the leg fell into the water. The unit went to the pinpointed location on Wednesday, and Deputy Justin Weigand was able to recover the leg there 48 feet below the surface in less than 10 minutes. Smith got the prosthetic leg back uh, last month, six years after he injured his leg falling out of a tree while he was hunting. He had more than 15 surgeries on that leg before the doctors ultimately removed it. Wow. Yeah. Man, he's been through it. He has. 80 grand for the prosthetic leg. Wow. Got to know more about that. Yeah, I'm telling you. I'm sitting there thinking, okay, if it was his right leg, I'd see buying the leg. If it was the left leg, I think I'd just buy a car, a nice car with an automatic transmission. liferadio.fm it's the mark and mag show and hey a quick heads up yeah tomorrow tomorrow on this very show we are going to tell you about what candy is unsafe for human consumption (laughs) and just to give you a little tidbit you've got a bag of it right there yes (laughs) right here so i'm I look. I already glow in the dark from where I live, so let's find out, right? Anyhow, so there's your reason for listening tomorrow. tomorrow. Yes, yeah. So now, if you're hearing this repeat uh, on whatever tomorrow is at uh, the five fifty break, roughly, right? Yeah, um, you know, we'll be on in just a couple of minutes. Now, if you're hearing this in real time, uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Either way you look at it, nobody, and I mean nobody, reads the terms. Of no. service. Oh, this is, you know what gets me is they had to do a study to find this out. Yes. A study found what everybody already knows. Nobody reads the lengthy terms of service and privacy policies that bombard Internet and social media users every day. Nobody mm-hmm. understands them. They're too long and they don't make sense often. The study made the point all too clear. Most of the 543 university students involved in the analysis didn't bother to read the terms of service before they signed up for a fake social networking site called NameDrop that the students believed was real. Those who did glossed over important clauses. The terms of service required them to give up their firstborn. The privacy policy said that their data would be given to the NSA and employers. Of the few participants who read those clauses, they signed up for the service anyway. (laughs) <laughs> oh my uh, so i guess what wow. we're learning here is that even even those who read this this the, the the all the things in the terms of service they're too dumb i mean they're just wow I, yeah that's just yikes mark pt barnum was right you know <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Mark and Mac are back. The Mark and Mac Show. Weekday mornings on liferadio.fm.